Content warning. Sex, Nazis, sex, transphobia, and sex. We stay family-friendly here at WMU, but there will be a lot of sexy talk in this one, so buckle in, buckaroos. Action! Excitement! Horror! Romance! Thrills and chills! Swords and sorcery! Rockets and ray guns! A dizzying canopy of the strange and impossible from the darkest depths of the human imagination! What mad universe encompasses such tales as these? Join us as we bear witness to the sweeping sprawl of all the history that never was and all the futures that could yet be. It's adventure as you like it on What What Mad Universe. scoffs. Weird love. It's not anything that I'm comfortable with, and hey, that's coming from a very liberal person, you know. I'm very accepting. But I know a joke when I see one. I don't see what the joke is, I tell him, and even if it was a joke. What's wrong with jokes in space? Space is very <coughs> serious, the lawyer screams, grabbing a stack of papers off his desk and throwing them across the courtroom. The pages flutter and fall through the air, spiraling this way and that as everyone looks on in collective shock and amazement. Once the pages finally settle, the whole room drops into silence. The lawyer takes a deep breath, and then steps towards me menacingly. Listen here, Lance. You're just too f***ing weird for space. Space has a rich history, and we can't have you going up there and ruining it for everyone. You remember Neil Armstrong? You remember Buzz Aldrin? You going up there and making out with raptors and shit is just spitting in their faces. I thought I could handle this. thought that I could withstand all this anger and rage coming at me from every side. But in this moment, I suddenly have my doubts. Even the strongest astronauts have their times of weakness. I can feel the tears welling up in my eyes at the hands of this ferocious legal bully, but suddenly I remember the smiling face of Orion, his big, beautiful raptor grin as he kissed me one last time. Suddenly my heart surges with an inner strength and I collect myself, straightening up in my chair. Okay, but what about all of the normal people out there who are talking about space now? I question. It's all over the news. Before any of this, you couldn't even get enough funding to keep two astronauts on Zorbus at the same time. Do you realize that? The world is literally ending and nobody cares enough about space to pay for it. This seems to make a lot of sense to the jury, who I can see chatting amongst themselves. The lawyer is not buying it though. We all want funding for the space program, but not like this, he says, motioning up to the image of Raptor and man embracing on screen. This is just dumb. Who says it's dumb, I question. The lawyer thinks for a minute. Well, I do. And you know better than everyone else because, I continue. The lawyer rolls his eyes. Listen, I've been working in space trials for years. I'm a big part of the space community. I know what's dumb and what's not. Okay, I counter. But did you ever think that something could be dumb and good? As of the 21st century, the internet and platforms like Amazon have enabled the rise of self-published books and fanfiction in a way that people of the 20th century could only dream of. Underserved audiences and niche fan bases have found a new focus, and even respectability. Fifty Shades of Grey, an erotic novel series that began as a Twilight fanfiction, sold over 150 million copies and was adapted into a movie series. And then there's Space Raptor Butt Invasion. Let me back up. In 2016, through a series of circumstances that we'll get to in a moment, a short story called Space Raptor Butt Invasion was nominated for a Hugo Award. It was a self-published parody of extremely niche erotica, and the man behind it is the mysterious Chuck Tingle. Since his debut, My Billionaire Triceratops Craves Gay Ass, in 2014, Tingle has published hundreds of erotic short stories about gay sex with dinosaurs, cryptids, inanimate objects, and abstract concepts, eventually moving all through the LGBT spectrum and deep into the, the realm of political and social satire. In the wake of the nomination, which was done largely as an act of sabotage, Tingle has become a cult figure who's attempted to use his newfound celebrity for good. Today we're looking at the saga of Chuck Tingle and how this seeming internet joke became the genre writer for our times. And we'll be right back after a word from our new sponsor, HyperX. 
It's time to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. The stunning HyperX Quadcast S features dynamic, customizable RGB lighting, a convenient tap-to-mute sensor, and four selectable polar patterns, so it can broadcast crystal clear audio, whether you're gaming, streaming, podcasting, or impressing your remote colleagues and classmates. So what are you waiting for? Join the Quad Squad and tap in today with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. Welcome to What Mad Universe. I'm Adam Prosser. With me is Philip Rice. Hello. And yes, we're going to be talking about Chuck Tingle, which is uh, <laughs> the most recent author we've done. We're, we're, we're again stretching our usual uh, format a little to uh, to incorporate someone who's, who's very recent and still, and still writing, um, and just uh, basically to look at the spectrum of his work as well. Um, uh, yeah, and it's uh, specifically it is episode sixty nine. Yes, so yeah, we had to do it for episode uh, sixty nine. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had actually uh, been looking into some like older erotica that we could cover or something, but nothing was really like Fanny Hill or something. I was looking for like genre fiction. It was mm-hmm. it was one about uh, it was a sultan and he, it was a um, a magic jewel that could make vaginas talk and reveal their sexual history. But um, and apparently it's like a parody of the uh, the court of King Louis the whatever um, one of them uh, yeah um, so I mean there does seem to be something there uh, but I you know wasn't sure if I should you know if if there was enough there for an episode yeah um, I also uh, uh, there's another uh, an erotica uh, written by a guy who later became the Pope. Uh, so that's something, but it, it didn't seem that interesting in Which its own right, obviously. Um, like, oh, uh, sorry, I, I was, I, I was just... Well, what era? What time, what time frame was it? Um, it was, it was a long time ago. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, I'm gonna type in Pope Erotica and see if it, uh... <laughs> uh no, yeah, okay. Phil, no! Yes, that actually, You're gonna get... Um, not... I actually did get the first, this is... The first uh, one was re- relevant. Uh, Pi- Pope Pius the second. Okay. Uh, uh, born in fourteen oh five. So. Right. Yeah. It quite a been, long time ago. Uh, it might have been before celibacy was a thing. Yeah. We. Okay. Well, that's anyway. Interesting historical diversion. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. But yes. The uh, the uh, we decided that uh, it made sense to talk. Oh, uh, Ing, uh, friend of the show, Ing uh, suggested we do Chuck Tingle, and we actually thought that was a good idea. So. Yeah. Well, it it is because I mean you know it 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 really encapsulates our era because uh, Chuck Tingle has become like a really relevant writer <laughs> in a in a way that seems like nobody who wants to take literature seriously is going to want to talk about uh, but it is nevertheless true like it's it's he's 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 a major well maybe not major but he's a significant cultural figure um, you know he's of course tied in specifically with the internet uh, you know most people still haven't heard of him uh, but he is uh, like as we say he was nominated for a Hugo so I'll 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 uh, I'll T- uh, talk about what happened. We've we've mentioned before the uh, the sad puppies and the rabid puppies, which was an issue that occurred uh, a, a whole thing that happened back in uh, 2015, 2016, 2017 that era. Um, just as the comics gate movement happened in comics and the gamer gate movement happened before that in games, uh, there was a, a group of the similar people, often with a, a big overlap, who uh, wanted to sort of uh, infiltrate their way into science fiction and and uh, and and claim that you know science fiction has to be a certain way. It has to be about you know manly men in outer space doing space adventures. You know Robert A. Heinlein was kind of their their god essentially, and Orson Scott Card, you know military sci-fi. Yeah, it, it should also be noticed. Uh, although there are a lot of in Gamergate and Comicsgate, a lot of very far right people and you know outright Nazis and stuff. Um, the sad puppies really are just alt right people. Uh, like. Uh, Vox Day was was the head of them, right? He's mm-hmm. he's he's a Nazi. Like it's not even right. Like he's done the fourteen words and all that. Yeah. Like he's a Nazi. Yeah, he's a he actually has his own. He's a rich kid who has his own publishing uh, house, which he uses to publish. You know, and again, he's he's he, his whole specific uh, 
theater has been an attempt to, you know, just what what all these people do is they attempt to, to claim that they're the original true fans of a certain medium or genre and that uh, it's been taken over by women and minorities, although they're often, they often phrase it in a way that's less... Um, the less direct. or the SJWs or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, they'll they'll claim, oh, no, we don't have a problem with women and minorities and so on and so forth. It's just that it's, it's all about I usually about point to one, like, we like Ripley from Alien. Yeah, right. They'll have, they'll have you know, excuses and, and things that... Because they don't have a, a firm philosophy at all, unfortunately. They just say... A lot, a lot of it's about grievances, too. Like, they, they make money off of complaining about, you know, The Last Jedi or whatever. Like, they, that's... But these things... Like you can you can dislike any movie, but like the the industry that's built up around hating certain things is right. is not good. Right. It the Last Jedi. The people who scream on YouTube about Last Jedi basically is what Sad Puppies devolved into. Uh, but the Sad Puppies was actually specifically uh, focused. Uh, 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 movement, uh, movement, maybe giving them a little credit, but as you say, the Skyvox Day uh, and uh, one or other two two people, uh, one or one or two other people, including a few science fiction writers and self published science fiction writers uh, who are of this mindset, basically said, "Well, let's uh, let's sabotage the Hugos." First of all, they tried to use the voting rules for the Hugos uh, to get their own stuff nominated, um, and when there were disagreements about that, and when there was an attempt to to you know purge those people. Uh, from the rules and prevent the rules from being juked in that way. Uh, they they then tried to uh, you know uh, sabotage it by getting uh, in this particular case uh, the 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 short story space raptor butt invasion by Chuck Dingle nominated with the spe specific hope that that would make the Hugos look ridiculous and and sabotage them essentially. And uh, what happened was that uh, Chuck Tingle, who was as we say this very niche. Uh, erotic author, people weren't 100% clear on whether he was just very, very specific and, and odd, or if he was writing deliberate parodies at the time. Um, but his reaction to this was uh, to uh, do everything he could. First of all, he tried to turn down the nomination. He, uh, he set up a website specifically uh, to direct people to the work of other marginalized writers and authors. Um, he um, he said that if he won, he'd have Zoe Quinn, who famously was the target of Gamergate, accept the award. Uh, and since then, he's basically been doing everything he can to sort of counteract what the uh, the, the rabid puppies were trying to do, um, <clears throat> and getting us in, in and uh, and and he's as a result developed a, a very uh, more or less sincere cult following uh, by people who, uh, who, en who enjoy his work. And of course, his work is very, very funny. Um, and that's become more and more obvious uh, since that happened, uh, because he started to, you know, the, the titles of his books started to become, I mean, they were already so pretty ridiculous. As I mentioned, his first book was about uh, My Billionaire Triceratops Crave Gay Ass, which is, uh, I believe, a parody of um, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, except with a dinosaur. Um, and uh, but then he started to throw in like abstract concepts and you know pounded in the butt by my Hugo nomination was one of his stories. Uh, and then yeah. he also had a series uh, for asexual specifically called "Not Pounded in the Butt by Anything." Right. Well, that came later. But yeah, yeah. I'm just like you, you can see the evolution of him going into like, and then he was like pounded by the pound turned gay by the socioeconomic implications of Britain leaving the European Union, uh, you know, <laughs> pounded by uh, Donald Trump, which is how he spells Donald Trump's uh, inability to, I can't have the phrasing here, but the, the inability to put any factual information in his Republican platform. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> pounded, some of them, get, some of them are very specifically political and specifically um uh, uh, devoted to uh, socioeconomic commentary, but some of them are are get really abstract, like pounded in the butt by the concept of linear time is one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> pounded in the butt by uh, my book, pounded in the butt by my <laughs> book, pounded in the butt. Like one of them became buttception, apparently. Um, um, it, it, it became obviously uh, uh, like I think it's hard to deny because there was a there was some suggestion early on. There's a Vox article uh, that tried to suggest that it's possible he wasn't writing uh, 
as a parody. It was actually, it, you know, apparently he's on the spectrum um, and has some some other mental health issues. And uh, so his spokesperson is his son, John, uh, son name of John, as he refers to him. And he, uh, he the, he's mentioned that this is sort of a form of therapy, apparently, for, uh, for Tingle, um, and that this is something that he uses to get you know, to get to, it, it's, it's really helped him mental health wise. Um, so there was, there was the argument at that point that, okay, well, maybe this is actually very sincere. He's just a very strange person. Uh, I think it's undeniable. I, our friend who we've had on a few times, Andrew Hickey actually said, um, <clears throat> the thing is he can be on the spectrum and still be a comedy writer. <laughs> like it's, that's, that's yes. exactly what he's doing. Uh, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be either or. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's pretty and, obvious. And this is ha having comedic. read two of his novels now, uh, there's clear jokes in there. Like, he's, like, um, like, there's sincerity, yes, but there, he also makes jokes. Like, he clearly can make jokes. So, I, I think, and as somebody on the spectrum myself, you know, uh, I'm capable of making jokes as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, the, the, like, the Vox article did make the point that like if Tingle is a pure creation, if there absolutely is not a person named Chuck Tingle, uh, it might be considered a little insensitive to create a character like that. Um, but um, I, I think like journalists have looked into it and it certainly there's someone there. It's probably not some kind of collective or something ridiculous like that. It, yeah, it, he's, it, he's um, uh, he like he appeared on H Bomber Guy stream uh, for in support of the mermaids charity, uh, right? So like he has, uh, he doesn't make a lot of public appearances, but like he has uh, mm -hmm. um, talked, in, you know, with his voice on, you know. Yes, he's been on podcasts as well, uh, yeah. and he's been interviewed. Uh, like, and this is one of the things as people point out. Like, there are some really early appearances apparently where he sounds different than when he appears on podcasts later. Uh, but again, as people said, it's like there's nothing wrong with crafting a persona, especially in this particular case, and you know that that's probably part of it as well. I think I think you uh, you have to go with the you know the the Occam's razor and just say yeah, it's not some elaborate uh, prank. Uh, the, I think one of the things that tipped people, tipped people off was just that uh, John had mentioned that his father loves uh, Andy Kaufman. And of course, this is all a bit Andy Kaufman-esque if it's completely a, a persona and fake. But but again, I think um, I think the point is just that you know it is someone who's uh, working through some issues, but they're doing through doing it through comedy and through a very uh, deliberately silly uh, structure. And I I think the 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 bit I read at the beginning was the uh, the sequel to uh, Space Raptor Butt Invasion, which is pretty explicitly about the whole circumstances surrounding the Hugo nomination. Uh, in which, like, he's accused by uh, the, you know, the Space Court, which is a stand-in for science fiction fans, <laughs> of just, you know, making everything very silly and not, uh, you know, not dragging the good name of science fiction through the mud. Uh, one of the things that happens in the sequel is that he finds out that um, his space expedition was founded by Scoundrels, Inc., who... Maybe part of the uh, ongoing Tingler-verse, uh, which we'll get to in a minute, um, but apparently uh, it was founded by an evil corporation called Scoundrels Inc., who are uh, who are always like who who uh, steal unicorn tears to drink them, and st and they're they're a bunch of men and you know ripped guys in speedos who tackle unicorns so that they can drink their tears, basically, um, and that was. It, you, Probably <laughs> reference to the fact that you know the sad puppies are the ones who got him on the on the ballot at the at the Hugos and um, and then the final story because there's a trilogy of these uh, is about how uh, Vam Docks, who's obviously a stand-in for Vox Day, uh, snuck on board his spaceship and demanded to be part of the mission and demanded attention and they decided to stop paying attention to him. Um, so it's not subtle <laughs> commentary on what's going yeah. on exactly. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get into that when I discuss the Harriet Porber books, which are uh, very not subtle about what they're about. Um, right. Well, I was gonna. Um, yeah, I was gonna say let's 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 talk about that. So oh, he's uh, now first, written... um, I yeah. There's uh, first I wanted to say there's um, also a political angle to um, 
you know, uh, pound in the butt by abstract concepts or inanimate objects that are sentient or whatever. Uh, I found a quote from him. Uh, the more important to write, reason to write tinglers is to prove that lo uh, love is real for all who kiss. Saw a man on TV talking about buds kissing buds, and he said, oh, what's going to happen if we let buds kiss buds? What's next? Are they going to kiss planes too? So I thought, yes, all love is real. We should kiss planes because they are <laughs> handsome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's a specific um, pushback against, you know, uh, uh, if gay marriage is legalized, we'll be marrying box turtles or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Oh, box I see. turtles were sent, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's the point of what how he got started on that. I see. Okay. Yeah. Or All at right. least what, what he says in retrospect, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I would, but th that makes sense as the basis for, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard not to believe he got started as just sort of making fun of very niche erotica, because I do remember an article, like a BuzzFeed article, I think, from, from now it would be years and years ago, from 2014, 2015, and just talking about, there's dinosaur porn out there, there's dinosaur erotica. Yeah, I remember that. And cryptid erotica, and not specifically mentioning Chuck Tingle. So I, I, I'm unclear on whether they were focusing specifically on Chuck... I think Chris Sims actually uh, mentioned it in either an article or, or on his podcast somewhere. Um, but I'm not sure if they were specifically talking about Tingle or if that was a whole subgenre that existed. Do you know yeah, if I'm, there were other... Uh, I'm... <laughs> I mean, I, I assume he wasn't the absolute first, but uh, I think like, the, his covers in particular, they're like the, the bad photoshops with like a, a raptor head with a muscular human body sort of thing. Um, I mean, that if he didn't create it, he definitely popularized it, I feel. Hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, codified it. <laughs> well, well, again, see, it's codifying through parody, which I find interesting, if that is in fact what was happening. Um, yeah, it's, it's because you, you almost wonder if it's like if Chuck Tingle started doing that as a joke and other people, you know, followed it in an intentional way. Uh, I mentioned, um, like that, that is how the self-publishing and fanfic and erotica communities can somehow sometimes act. I'm not, uh, you know, not to, I should probably shouldn't claim any expertise in this era, but I know that when it comes to self-publishing, there's, there's, you know, trends that people tend to follow and, you know, the communities are all talking to each other about stuff. So it may be that someone saw this was either, either they saw this was potential market or they, uh, it literally, it legitimately spoke to them and they wanted to write about it. Um, which is all great for them. But I, I you know, I, it does seem like Tingle was always intended as a cop. Because I say, I, I think it's a parody of Shades of Grey initially. Um, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, yeah at the top you said sh Fifty Shades of Grey was respected. I guess it sold a lot, but I don't well, know. Yeah, respected well, well, is the right. I mean, that is, I, I would call that respected. Like, like the fact that it's read. Like, yes, this is what this is kind of what we're talking about here. Because to a degree, this can never be respectable. Like that is actually the point. It's the fact. That, no, no, uh, I, I just mean. This is better than Fifty Shades of Grey, honestly. Um, <laughs> what, what I've read of this, no, I mean it's it's a lot better. It's it's less. I mean it it's got consent. It's got it's talking about issues of relationships and mm -hmm. um, like Fifty Shades of Grey is just gross. Um, yeah, well, I know there's. Like definitely... I mean, I, I'm not talking about the presence of BDSM or or sex scenes. I mean, like you know lack of consent, outright abuse, it's it's really unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I've heard is a bit of an issue with, with those uh, with those stories. Um and of course To be fair, I've I've only read the, the read alongs uh, from uh, Jenny Trout's blog. Uh she did um very detailed chapter by chapter write ups of them. But all the excerpts, it's just exhausting to like even just excerpts, it's like this Christian Gray guy. This is this is not my kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is something you get into with uh, I guess with self published in general. Even putting aside erotica, uh, you know, people kind of follow their own muse, and it can go some dark places, unfortunately. Uh, but the fact that the the fact that this was so monumentally successful uh, is really something significant. And there's been other. Um, you know, self-published books, they're not on that level, but there's certainly been 
a boom of uh, of uh, self publishing. Um, yeah, there's a series uh, called um, the Books of Babel by an author named Josiah Bancroft, uh, which is a self-published, it started as self-published um, uh, fantasy series, but in fact it actually uh, has now been picked up and is being published by, uh, by, uh, by, another pub by an actual publisher. Um, and I really, like it's as good as anything you'd read, and in, in fact it's a little more literary than some of the stuff that gets published by the major publishers. I mean, there's there's a lot out there. It's there is definitely a bit more of a, a crossover than we've seen in the past. You know that, and that's good. That's great. That that's very healthy. But there's al it's always you know the advantage of self publishing is always that there's going to be this very strange little weird uh, niche audience, and fan fiction is going to be a weird little niche audience, um, and that's great. I think that's I think that's actually. Uh, a very good thing, uh, but again, you know, a lot of self-publishing stuff. Not only is it bad, some of it is, you know, unpleasant and 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 you know, toxic, toxic and reactionary. And like, there's some really ugly stuff out there. Unfortunately, yeah, that's uh, the downside. The, the of good gate, thing, gate, no yeah, the, the downside is there's absolutely no uh, ceiling, so anybody can do it, which is both good and bad because. You know, most people aren't good at things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no gatekeeping, which, again, good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you have to, you know, it, it just... Uh, right. What you have to, it, it just comes with the territory. Yeah, and I mean, this is, like, we're, we're... One of the things we're talking about is the fact that erotica has become that genre because, like, more and more mainstream culture and popular culture kind of shies away from sex. Like, we've all gotten a little bit, um, you know, uh, prudish in many ways. But, like, from all political directions, too. It's not even a political thing, necessarily. We just, you know, uh, th th that article a while back was like, everyone's hot and nobody's having sex or whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, like, Marvel movies, there was, like, like uh, the MCU, there was a sex scene in Iron Man, and there hasn't been one in them until Eternals that right. came out this year. Yeah. Like, there... Like an actual sex scene where characters, you know, are like not even explicit, but like are clearly having sex. Right. Um, and that's wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can kind of get it with Marvel because it's like, if anything, Marvel yeah, it's should for, probably be geared more kids. towards kids. Yeah. The same with Star Wars. You know, I don't want a sex scene in Star Wars necessarily. But the fact that those are the dominant pop culture things of our time means that, you know, that, that the, you know, anything erotic kind of gets shuffled off to the side and it gets pushed into sort of the weirder corners. It's also true that like, there's been an explosion of LGBT culture online. Uh, and that's partly because there's, again, no gatekeeping going back to Chuck Tingle. Uh, that's something that they've been able to do, um, you know, and, and again, often badly, often in ways that aren't great, but at least, you know, if you want to, you know, write, gay erotica, you've got a much better avenue for it than you ever had in, you know, the 20th century for the most part. Um, even though it existed, of yep. course. And li Lord knows we've all yeah. seen those lesbian pulp covers, but, uh, you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 exploded that sort of area. And, and Chuck Tingle has really played a big role in doing that, which is, you know, like, that alone makes him, I think, a significant figure in, in the world of... Uh, you know, uh, the world of, of writing and publishing. And then... Yeah, I, I also... Uh, uh, I guess we, we should actually talk about what we read here. Uh, yeah. Well, like, so... Yeah, so he, he did actually start... Most of his books are... His, quote, books are actually short stories. They're only a few pages, really. Um, and, but he has now written a couple of novels. Uh, and they were, again, specifically reacting to something. Um, yeah, uh, so I think he's written more novels than these two, but they, these are sort of, I guess it's going to be an ongoing series, and I'd actually I'd like to see this continue since they were actually pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, the um, Trans Wizard Harriet Porber books. Yes. Uh, so there's two of them so far, one from uh, 2020 called Trans Wizard Harriet Porber and the Bad Boy Para. Parasaurolophus. Mm. Yeah, I know that one's hard to no, pronounce. Yeah, sorry, I've 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 actually practiced this before the episode, and I, I just uh, whiffed it there. Uh, thank you. Uh, the bad boy Parasaurolophus. Mm. There we go. 
Um, and the second one is the much easier to say Trans Wizard, Harriet Porber, and the Theory Theater of Love. Um, so obviously these are parodies of, of Harry Potter, but they're not uh, what you would expect from the titles. They're not just Harry Potter, but with sex in them. They're, they're original stories um, and original settings. I mean, first of all, they're, they're both set in the, the Tingleverse, so there's there's talking mailboxes and talking dinosaurs, and these things are just taken as, as a given. Um, and uh, but uh, also, magic is uh, known about; it's it's public. There's no like hidden secret magic world, uh, wizarding world like in uh, in Harry Potter. So that alone really sets it apart. Um, uh, at the beginning of the first book, uh, Harriet Porber uh, is uh, a wizard. She uh, got out of um, wizarding, wizarding school with um, uh, her first spell became a big hit, but it's been a few years and she hasn't written another one. She's, she's had uh, wizard walk and she's afraid of becoming a one-hit wonder and her agents, you know. Um, so you say her, spell, her spells are like the equivalent of a novel is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's about creativity. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. These books are about, you know, um, yeah. So the spell is like uh, uh, how it works. She she initially writes the spells on on her laptop, um, and then um, when they're ready to, when she's worked out all the kinks and stuff, she transfers them to parchment. And at that point, they can be sold. So people buy the spells to, I guess, use the the rights to them or whatever. Um, her first spell uh, involved uh, summoning bubbles that uh, um, uh, drew in memories from from your past, um, and, and that was a, a big hit. But she hasn't uh, been able to come up with something since. Um, and she she lives in New York, so she's also not English, uh, which is again like she's an adult, uh, a successful working wizard, and is from New York. So, <laughs> although. The, the books sort of treat New York as like, you know, I grew up on the mean streets of New York, so I know how to get into a scrape. I mean, obviously there are, but like, not every from New, everybody from New York gets into fights all the time. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't but, know. But yeah, okay. I, yeah, um, yeah I, I'm just joking. Yeah. Um, it is set in, in its own universe, so who knows. Um, so her agent uh, suggests um, to spend... Uh, get a change of scenery and spend some time on the uh, Tingler Islands where she has a summer house. Um, so Harriet goes there and she meets, uh, uh, well, her neighbor is playing loud music and she goes over to complain and he's a, uh, a handsome ripped dinosaur um, who is a, uh, a bard. Uh, the, the book explains that um, there's different kinds of magic users in this world. Uh, quote, uh, wizards need their wands to cast spells, unlike bards who can sing, who can simply sing or perform on a musical instrument to create magical effects, or warlocks who can manifest their magical powers through a pact with some omnipresent author named Chuck. Uh, <laughs> these books get very meta. I'll, I'll get oh, into yeah. that. Um, so the um, uh, the dinosaur is named uh, Snape Resmore. So he's a he's Snape. Um, he used to teach at a magic school, um, uh, and he was in a frat called Lizardin. Um, but uh, uh, he uh, uh, is now a successful uh, rock musician with the Seven Inch Nails. So yes, he is a combination of Snape uh, and uh, Trent Reznor. <laughs> uh, yeah, Trent Reznor from the Nine Inch or, sorry Nine Inch Nails. I'm, I still think of the Twin Peaks thing where they're credited as the Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. The in quotes. Well, that's obviously um, just because Snape kind of looks like Trent Reznor in the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, he's got the same um, hair, basically. Yeah. So he's he's from Bristol. He's, he's English. He's a bad boy. Um, and he's also a meta-mage. So he um, his magic works. He's a, he's a bard, but... Uh, Specifically, he deals with um, uh, the layers of reality. So he knows he's in a novel um, all throughout. Um, he actually uh, is a bit early on. 
I'm sorry, he suddenly blurts, noticing my appalled expression. I'm just written this way. What? I question, confused. It's a trope in romance, the dinosaur continues to explain. The more of an asshole I am in this part of the book, the better the payoff is when, I, when you change me later on. I have no idea what you're talking about, I reply, shaking my head from side to side. It's okay, uh, the parasol olifus continues, just as long as it's clear that this is fiction. In the real world, you should probably just break up with someone who acts like this, or even quit, your, quit their class. Um, yeah, he does get into he. Th there's meta stuff in the other ones uh, yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, like um, that's actually pounded in the butt by my Hugo nomination. Is about a character who uh, is created is it becomes aware that he's a fictional character within the story, and he's within the ting the the Tingleverse, uh, and that the there are multiple layers to the Tingleverse, and the further down you go, the gayer it gets. <laughs> it's something that he says, and uh, so the uh, yeah. There's there's another quote here. Uh, so I'm well aware that this is a bad boy romance novel, and I've got a job to do. He explains. Trust me, I don't love acting this way either. I guess it's just important to remember that just because a fictional character is a jerk, it doesn't mean the author is too. Likewise, if a fictional character is sweet and awesome, their author could still be really awful and bigoted. Uh, which gets into what the book is largely about or what the, the series is, um, it's a direct reaction to um, uh, J.K. Rowling mm -hmm. um, and her horrible transphobia that's just been increasing and increasing. Yeah. Um, uh, Hopefully that was clear obviously... from all, <laughs> just from mentioning yeah, it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but, yeah. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, so Harriet Porber is, is a trans woman. It's not, like, a huge part of the plot, but it informs her character. Oh, uh, Snape is also a trans man, so... Um, and, and it gets into like the, the logistics of their, their sex because the sex scenes are quite explicit. Um, uh, and, um, but yeah, it gets into like how they, they think about their own bodies and, um, uh, how, the, how they, they pleasure each other that way. Um, uh, it's, yeah, there's also a, a character, uh, Snape's bodyguard who comes in. Uh, towards the end of the first novel, he's a um, woolly mammoth named Bumbleborn, um, and again, all these names like these are barely related to the characters they're clearly named after, um, <laughs> which I found interesting. Like, no, like this isn't just Dumbledore. This is a completely different character who has that sort of name mapped onto him right. in some aspects. Mm -hmm. Like when Bumble Bumbleborn, who's also um, um, into meta magic. Uh, the first thing he says, uh, I'm gay, Bumbleborn, Bumbleborn says. Uh, what? I stammer, a little confused. That's cool. I just wanted to say that clearly in this story instead of claiming <laughs> years later that there was subtext there the whole time. The Wally Mammoth <laughs> continues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's... Um... Which, if, um, I mean, I, I assume everybody knows this, but uh, uh, J.K. Rowling revealed in interviews that uh, Dumbledore was gay and that never appeared in the books. The books were finished at that point. But since then she's gone on to write movies where Dumbledore in the past is there and they don't depict his relationship. So yeah, cowardice there. Yeah. It's, it's very much. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, obviously if you're aware of uh, Rowling and the criticisms around Harry Potter, this is obviously a reaction to all that stuff. One thing that that's a that's a that's actually something that you can sometimes you know like put a bit of an, uh, a a parenthesis around it. I'm not always sure that's the best way to write a story is to just literally be like, oh, this is going to be you know a reaction. Like, of course, you react to other stories, but to literally say, well, you wrote a story where you know it was where you were no homing homoing Dumbledore, so I'm going to make a really gay Dumbledore story or whatever. Like it's, it's, I mean, that's valid to a degree, but if you're literally your entire point is just to react to that and, and to comment on that, that can be a little bit stilted, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, in um, this case, it kind of, this isn't all of that, that, that just like one. Scene. Well, honestly, in this case, it goes so far into that, that it kind of loops around to being <laughs> entertaining in its own right. Like, that becomes the source of the comedy. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Because, because to okay. just say, like, 
well, I'm, you know, like to turn to the camera and go, well, I'm this way. Like that's, that's a little bit of an eye roll, but in this case, it's just completely <laughs> in that direction. And, and Tingle's work is sort of has this kind of, dare I say, disposability to it, <laughs> which makes it a little bit more acceptable as well, I think. But anyway. yeah, um, there's also some actually really interesting uh, uses of meta magic in this. One of uh, Snape's song spells, uh, sorry, Snape uh, song spells um, actually makes the words of the book you're in appear as you're listening to it. So like the, the paragraphs of the text that you're currently in float above your head as you're listening to the song. Oh. That, that's pretty interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's like the meta magic is like, is that's a cool idea in and of itself as a, as a like a magic system as it were. Uh, yeah, that could actually be uh, kind of it's sort of it's sort of like uh, superheroes who have a, a meta super ability because they kind of know they're in a comic like Deadpool. Yeah, or, or like an Animal Man towards the end of the Grant Morrison run. Right. Um. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the first of the, uh, Harriet Porber novels, most of it's more the, the, um, usual romance novel plot where, like, she's, um, uh, this bad boy and she's attracted to him, but, uh, he's, you know, acts all aloof and is sometimes a jerk and, um, uh, he's got, uh, two girlfriends who are, uh, both, uh, sentient motorcycles named Draco and, and Delatrix. I believe Draco and I I actually don't know Harry Potter that well. I don't know who the other character is supposed to be. But there's a I yeah, see. an evil character named they're they're both evil characters, Draco and Bellatrix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well Draco actually becomes um a, a, a good character later on in this. But um actually so uh, does Draco, if I recall correctly. Okay. <laughs> very much near the end he becomes somewhat redemptive. Yeah. Um yeah. anyway, uh Braco is super in love with um uh, with Snape and um, is trying to get uh, him to to break up with Harriet, and you know uh, she fakes her own um, uh, that she gets injured so that uh, Snape will spend time with her in the hospital. Um, and uh, all this time, uh, Harriet's trying to write her new spell, and she comes up with an idea for a um, sort of uh, uh, a, a high concept spell where uh, once you cast it, you'll eventually get the thing you need when you need it. Um, and uh, this actually um, plays into the hmm. story, where at the end she, um, like, at, at one point earlier in the story, she throws away a um, uh, paddle into the ocean, and then at the end she's, she's on a boat about to be killed, and, she, and the paddle drifts up to her, right. and she uses it to save her own life. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that was the spell working. See, that's kind of interesting um, because that's actually how, in a in a way, that's how magic has worked in the past. And but just very ex that's making it very explicit. But just the fact that magic is a Deus ex machina or a yeah, and not, not even literally just like for narrative tropes, but for things like you know the the kind of curses that become uh, ironic, you know that kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. it's it's a way of shaping the narrative essentially. Uh, so that's actually kind of a nice, <laughs> explicit reference to that. Yeah, uh, but it um, in the sequel, uh, we start off a few years later. Snape and um, Harriet are married. They're living in Vegas. Snape's uh, had um, due to his bad boy lifestyle had lost most of his money, and he was just and he's now um, sort of um, you know he, he has enough money, but he's he's not a, a billionaire anymore. Um, and he has to, you know, work his shows in Vegas. He's on, like, a contract there. Um, and uh, Harriet uh, has been barred from uh, most uh, uh, wizarding um, companies because her spell was one of the few in history that's been banned because it people were just winning the lottery and, you know, sports games were all messed up. And <laughs> just everybody using this spell was ruining reality. <laughs> Well, that's um, kind of an issue which, with magic in general, I would say. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like on the on the scale, because it's so abstract. Like uh, in in this world, most spells like have a very specific effect, but this is so abstract and um, nebulous that it just it, 
you can't uh, uh, focus it in the same way. Um, it it works on too grand a scale. Um, but uh, she finds that she in Vegas she actually has uh, a, still a fan base who are really um, uh, interested in her work. So um, uh, an agent wants to um, hire her to to do uh, like live performances of her of her magic. Uh, and this agent is an independent agent who, unlike everybody else in town, doesn't work for uh, Just Kidding Recreations, uh, also called JK Recreations. <laughs> and uh, here's where we get specifically into the JK Rowling as, uh, as the um, villain of this story. Um, um, JK Recreations is a bigoted company that will sue anybody who um, infringes, like, Basically, they, they claim that they own magic and wizarding and all these concepts, and that if you use them, um, they'll either sue you or do shady things to like keep you, because they have all the money in the world, so they can just threaten you. Um, right. the, like they don't actually have to have a case, but they can tie you up in court for years. And, what a uh, wacky they, fantasy! They can world. outlast. <laughs> exactly, um, and uh, the. Um, uh, the company is represented by a uh, giant snake uh, named the Great Magini, um, who um, um, is outwardly supportive of Harriet, uh, but um, she uh, uh, her social media presence says otherwise. Hmm. Um, it, there's a quote here uh, on Twingler. Twitter, yeah, yeah. the Chuck Tingleverse. Uh, if you know where to look, you can see posts that other people like. Sometimes this can be an insight into what they really think, while they blatantly lie in their public posts. That way they can avoid the scrutiny that comes with some of their unsavory opinions. You mean hateful bullshit, I counter. Yeah, my manager continues. So basically, um, the great Magini is liking tweets that insult Harriet. Um, and this is, of course... Uh, a direct reference to uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, slow descent into outright mm -hmm. transphobia, since she just started liking like tweets from turfs and stuff, and uh, you know, claiming you know, I, I accident—it was an accident. I had a senior moment or whatever, mm -hmm. and then gradually that built up, and she just started publicly being a huge bigot. Yeah. Um, so uh, this, the second book is, is sort of about. Um, uh, community and finding a place um, where you can um, come together to fight these big institutions or um, systems that want to, to get you down. Um, there's a... Uh, uh, yeah, basically the climax, they're, they're, um, they're putting on a, a one-time show because that's all they can afford um, with the hope of... Um, uh, drumming up excitement for future stuff. Um, but the great Majingi has um, sort of cursed the show. Um, uh, and um, Harriet uh, is, she initially loses her voice um, because of a spell that the great Majingi cast. Uh, but Snape helps her out by um, uh, using his bard powers to, you know, do like a ventriloquist thing, so uh, speaking through her sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but then she uh, is frozen up by another spell, and um, another character who's, who was introduced earlier, uh, a talking uh, cereal box named Cereal Black, <laughs> who's a uh, previous magician who got um, um, kicked out of the business by JK Recreations. Um, uh, and it was shown earlier that he, one of his main moves was a, a ventriloquist thing where he could bring inanimate objects to life and control them. Um, so uh, uh, he used that power to, to make her move during the show while she was frozen. Um, and uh, yeah, and everybody else was, was pitching in to, to help out in various other ways. So it's about, you know, community coming together um, out of mutual respect and love to fight. Um, yeah bigoted systems yeah it's it's, it's and, and it's explicitly about like they they talk about the themes out loud it's not subtle but yeah, yeah. I, I do like how, how it's woven into into the um plot and stuff it's so, interesting yeah this this sort of emphasizes how tingle's work in general in some ways it is the uh, i don't know the the uh apotheosis of 
the internet, or at least, you know, the, the left-wing internet, um, because that sort of, um, you know, optimism and, you know, very blatantly stating what they're about and their, their, their positivity in the face of, you know, so many other things that try to be, uh, try to be negative. Like, it's, it, it's unfortunate, I think, that, um, you know, it's the ambiguity is of course a good literary trait, but it's been adopted by the forces of reaction and negativity in, in a lot of ways, a lot of, you know, very conservative viewpoints can hide behind ambiguity. Like we're seeing with, you know, various, uh, various, uh, yeah, stand-up comics and so on who, who yeah. like, they'll, like they'll embrace the sort of ambiguity of what they're saying. And they'll say, Oh, you know, I'm not really saying that. And I'm trying to make a joke and you have to have a sense of humor about it. And it's true. You do, you have to have a sense of humor about it or, or how you can talk about how, like, you know, there's art that's, you know, founded by the, funded by, you know, very conservative people that can be great in its own way. Um, and, and the reaction to that has been to say, we're very blatantly going to reinforce these principles that are positive, that are progressive, and we're going to be very, very unsubtle about it. We're not going to, it's also the idea that, you know, if we make a statement and it's, but it's ambiguous and it's, it's metaphorical, then it can be twisted and claimed by, you know, bad people. Like it could be turned into, oh no, you know, that... Well, I've seen people do that with Parasite. Like, um, that Parasite is about an evil poor family imposing themselves on this good mm -hmm. rich family. Right. Like, or that's like, clearly not what it's about, but like... Or, or the yeah. bizarre number, as a Star Trek fan, I should this should have been my first example, the, the, the bizarre number of like right-wingers who are talking about how Star Trek is it should be this way. It, it never used to be about SJW stuff. I'm like, what sh show are you watching? I mean, 90% of those people know that they're not... They're just making stuff up as well, <laughs> but they'll say it just to, you know, like, because that, that'll create a narrative of, oh, yeah, Star Trek used to be conservative, and now it's gone all liberal on us. Like, that's their their main, uh, that's their main sort of narrative that they embrace. And, um, you know, the way around that, unfortunately, is to just be very blunt and very uh, unsubtle about your, uh, about your viewpoints, which can unfortunately be a catch-22. You can lose some of your you know, you can lose some nuance, you can lose some of the value of what you're saying. But I think Tingle has found a way to do that, that is really makes it entertaining in and of itself, as I was saying. I think that's actually very, that's actually very funny that he's, he's, he's sort of found a way to embody that principle <laughs> in a way that's still extremely entertaining and, 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 and strange and silly in its own way. And I think that's fascinating. Honestly. Yeah, um, there, there's a, a quote here. Uh, In this reality, J.K. Recreation is a bigoted magic conglomerate that likes to restrict opposing voices through legal intimidation and a vague support of discrimination while rarely directly saying these things themselves. In other realities, they could be anything, a sports team, a government agent, uh, agency, a fantasy author. Now that we've said our piece, reader can carry this story with them as they embark on battles of their own. So it's sort of like the the um, idea. I believe uh, Neil Gaiman said it, but he might not have originated it. Um, uh, fiction uh, or fairy tales are important because they teach us that not the dragons exist, but the dragons can be uh, defeated. No, that's that's that. You know, it's ultimately it's a good thing. It's one of these things where maybe that's not fully for me uh, because I, you know, at a certain point you're like, I've got my values. I don't need to be reinforced all the time but it, it's still a good thing to hear yeah i i've definitely i i've i've definitely written uh stories that are that are unsubtle and some that are more subtle uh i think uh time and place you know um um and we're kind of in a time where unsubtlety is needed sometimes yeah yeah it's true there's no getting around it some very impactful works of literature that are kind of forgotten nowadays were very you know uh, gobsmackingly obvious as polemics, and they did, uh, you know, inspire people and 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 have an impact on people's uh, people's lives and on the culture. Uh, you know, uh, they weren't they weren't you know subtle and literary. They were just calls to action, and that's what this is with lots of gay sex with dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, we've been talking a lot about content, but I wanted to briefly discuss some of the um, uh, literary style. Um, 
it, it's kind of weak in that regard. Um, I, I like a lot of the ideas and stuff, but the writing's pretty pedestrian. Um, oh, I mean, the the badness of the writing almost seems to be the point. I guess, uh, but like when, there, there's a lot when of... Tingle addresses people... Yeah. When Tingle uses his actual persona, like on Twitter and things, he's got a whole different style that's completely, like, completely unlike his writing. It's 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 like it's 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 sort of mangled on purpose, and you know he calls everyone Buckaroo. <laughs> yeah. And, like it, it, it's it's he's got his own little sort of persona style versus his writing style. Um, um, yeah, so again, but I, it's, I it's was deliberate. one thing that that just annoyed me was. Um, uh, you know how you, you tag speeches with he said or she said, um, or you use um, uh, stand-ins for. He just uses offer a lot. I offer so and so. I offer. Hmm. Um, I, yeah. I offer. I offer. It just. I don't know. You don't. E you don't even have to have said in there if it's just like two people speaking. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. It, it just it yeah. bugged me a bit. Um, yeah. I mean, it's badly written. Essentially, I'm not like I, I would go as so far as to say it's badly written. But again, that that's more or less the point. Like, it, there's one story where he in the in the the Hugo nomination story, he essentially he he essentially says essentially uh, <laughs> uh, he essentially says like, oh, you know, look at all the typos in this story. Oh like, yeah, look at all the spelling errors and bad well. grammar. Yeah, like like it's it's he's aware of it. <laughs> you know, he's writing about it again. So it, it's part of the persona again, it, and the not, fact not that, that it, I it's can really rightfully complain about typos, given my comics, I've had some yeah. typo issues. Well, um. Yeah, but I mean, he's a he's like it, it, again. The persona is of a self-published erotica author who writes very strange stories. So you know, it, it, it's like drill on Twitter. Like yeah. you wouldn't want it to be fully <laughs> grammatically fair, correct. Fair, fair, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did want to mention one last thing um, that I, I actually kind of want to check it out. In the course of this, I've learned that Chuck Tingle has just very recently published a novel called Straight, uh, which appears to be non-erotic and actual science fiction. So it's like a, an actual, not, not again, the question of whether we're denigrating it or not uh, by talking about it, whether it's it's more legitimate to, to write something that way. But it sounds like it would be, to a certain extent, dropping the persona and being its own thing. Um, so I, I kind of want to check that out. I only just learned about it before we recorded this, but um, it like the reviews indicate that it's a straightforward pulp horror sci-fi novel um, in which like every straight person on Earth is suddenly possessed by a virus that makes them want to kill LGBT people, basically. Okay. And then they and then after like it goes on for an hour and then they forget all about it and forget that it happened. Okay. Um, and I don't again I don't think there's any erotica in it. I think it's a straight up horror novel essentially. Well, I'm definitely um, going to be continuing to read the uh, Harriet Porber books as they come out because I I actually like <laughs> these characters. They're fun. Yeah. It, it's well, it's got some good ideas. Some legitimately yeah. fun stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's some legitimately interesting stuff in there, it sounds like. So, we'll see. And then they'll adopt it into a movie, and then that'll go head dead. With <laughs> they'll, they'll never adapt it into a movie. No. That will never... Or if it does, it will be... I, I don't know. Uh, never say never. The, there, there are explicit sex scenes that uh, are non... Yeah. I mean, one, one character is a dinosaur. A trans dinosaur. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, think that's yeah. going to happen. Which is which is to Hollywood's loss. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you never know. Anyway, um, uh, well, hopefully we've all achieved satisfaction and are ready to erupt forth into the night. We are podcasters. Name of Philip Rice and Adam Prosser. Recording know-how was by engineer and producer Buckaroo. Name of Alex Ross. Music by Talented Fingers of Jack Furick. Uh, a reminder to you, to you all, we have a Patreon, which we both have Patreons, which helps pay for our hosting costs. Uh, if you subscribe to either of us, you can listen to this podcast early time, early every time, as well as getting bonus material, cut footage and illustrations of comics, among other things. Just go to Patreon and search for Philip Rice, one L, or Adam Prosser with two S's, or go to neversleepsnetwork.com slash series slash what-mad-universe for the links. And you can follow us on Twitter at WMU Podcast or Prankster36 for me or Spear Halfhawk A for Philip. And I did want to plug uh, briefly um, my Star Trek podcast, the Mirror Universe podcast, uh, is out there. It will be uh, there'll be a new episode up by the time you listen to this. 
so uh, check that out. I kind of enjoy, I do it with Douglas McDonald Norman. We have some good discussions about Star Trek. So check that out. Uh, until next time, love is real. <laughs>